So we are in a series right now called Rethinking Church. And if you've been on this journey with us, we are, we're kind of just looking again as what does it mean to be the church? Like, why, why do we come on Sundays? What is it about? There's a lot of opinions about where the church should be going. What should we, should we be doing? And, and the thing I, all I know to do is to go back to when the church was in its purest form. And that's even way before the letters that Paul wrote, because that's when the church got really jacked up. That's when it looked a lot like us. Like, Because you read the letters, Paul's letters, and you're like, that sounds like us. We're, we're pretty jacked up. But you go back to when the church started, and you're like, well, that's different. And if you're new to the scriptures, the book of Acts tells us how the church was birthed and how it started in its purest form. And so we've been looking at the book of Acts, and... And today we're going to do a pivot, okay? Uh, the message that I plan to preach today, I'm not going to preach. Uh, in fact, yesterday I just spent most of the day uh, meeting with the staff and, uh, and, and then re, not rewriting, but uh, writing and preparing what I believe that God has for us right now. Today I, I want to talk to you about um, rethinking pain and suffering. Rethinking pain and suffering. Uh, there has been a, a tragedy in, in our community, and you may or may not be aware of it, and I, I'll, I'll bring you into that here in just a moment, but uh, if, you're, if you're new, it's just going to look different today, okay? Uh, it's just going to be different. I'm going to be different. Um, it's going to be weighted. You're going to have questions. It's just going to raise a lot of questions, and maybe some of those questions won't be answered, and and I would just encourage you to get into a group, get into a core group and, and process together. That's where it happens best is when you're around other followers of Jesus who can inspire you and encourage you and help you and spur you on to continue to follow Jesus. But I think before we start, uh, more than anything, I need your prayers uh, just for the heaviness of what uh, we're going to talk about today. And But I believe God wants to really speak and, and, and I believe he wants to set you free. I believe he wants to do some healing in this place today. Father, we are humbled to be called your servants, and we are humbled to even come before you. We would ask that in the moments we share here, that your spirit would do the work. You would do the work, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would do uh, for me what you did for Moses when he said he didn't know what to say, didn't know how to say it. But you said, I'll give you the words to speak, and I thank you for that word, and just empower us today. Holy Spirit, be present in this place today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. So, some of you, um, or I don't know how many of you, um, heard the, just the tragic news that's kind of rocked our, our community, the city of Broken Arrow, in the, in the past few days. Uh, there was a young couple that was arrested uh, for the uh, abuse and death of their three-year-old daughter. Uh, this little girl's name was Faith Seaman. And this uh, young couple had been fostering her and adopted her in, in December of 2018. 
the mom has been charged with first-degree murder, and the father has been charged with child endangerment and other counts as well. I learned about this uh, late Friday night, and I, I just haven't been doing good. Uh, this has just kind of rocked us because what you may or may not know is uh, they attended core church. It was for a very short time. They came this in the summer of 2019, and they attended this service. And they sat right there on the third row. I remember talking to the mom and dad, 25 years old, young, no children of their own. I, I connected with them because Laura and I have fostered and adopted as well, and And this beautiful little girl named Faith was a part of our children's ministry. And I, uh, I remember Faith. Because on Sunday mornings before church, I'd go back and i say hi to all the kids' workers. And, and she, some of you uh, have worked in that department. And she was just cute. She was just full of joy. And she, she had this infectious smile. She's a really beautiful little girl. And so this is a really difficult day. Uh, and it's not just a difficult day uh, for us. It's a difficult day for her family, for Faith's extended family. And I want to encourage us to be people of prayer. Uh, we would think about this, this family, um, grandparents and uncles and aunts and others who are so confused today and don't know how to process this. And I, I want us to pray for DHS um, man, they get a lot of flack in our culture. And these are good people, good men and women just like you that want to see children rescued and restored. And 99% of placements are, are, are good placements. And, and these people are swimming uphill trying to fight against the current and fight against oppression and and, and what the enemy means to destroy children, and they're stepping into the gap, and, and, and they're fighting, and they're working hard, and, and then something like this hits, and now they've got to go to work tomorrow. And they've got to face all of the Facebook posts, and they've got to face all of the negative comments. And so we have DHS workers right here in our own church. And, and then I think of the uh, foster care organizations that we work with, St. Francis Foster Care, that uh, uses our facility and circle of care. We did our Kids Fest for those two organizations, and this building was full of children in foster care. Faith was here on that Friday night playing games. Some of you remember her, and you remember you played a game with her, and you loved on her. I think some of the people I'm most concerned for and praying for are our core kids, people. All of our ministry team leaders and caregivers, especially those that work directly with faith. Now, this is hard on them, and this is a struggle for them, and I'm so thankful for every man and every woman and every young person that volunteers their time on a Sunday to go back and love on children. 
You just never know who is sitting with you. You never know what's happening. You never know the brokenness. You never know what child is back there. You never know what is happening. And, and God is calling us to love well. To love well. And I'm so thankful for our kids' workers. Now, I know when I talk about this, many of you uh, have suffered your own tragedy. You've suffered abuse. Uh, you've had brokenness and, and pain is, and loss. It's, it's all over this room. So how do we process this? How do we process this and how do we deal with this kind of pain and this kind of suffering and this kind of horrific, heartbreaking tragedy. I think the church has handled this well at times, but I think there's a lot of things we haven't handled well. And I think there's a lot of things that we can learn and there's things that we can do. We must be part of the healing. You will go to work tomorrow or you will go to your campus tomorrow or sometime this week someone will probably bring this story up. We must be agents of God's healing. The early church dealt with this. If you have a Bible, you can go to Acts chapter 7. Early church was in its infancy. Things were going fairly well, pretty well. They were experiencing some, some persecution and some difficult days, and some of the apostles had been arrested. And then suddenly, Stephen, who was... A leader in the church, he wasn't one of the apostles, but he was one of the leaders, and, and he was working with the widows and um, doing work like George and Tammy, working and helping the widows and sharing the gospel and doing, uh, God was using him to do miraculous signs and wonders, and then all of a sudden there were some false accusations made against him deliberately so that he could be arrested, and he went before the Jewish high council, and, and in Acts chapter 7, we we read where uh, Stephen is kind of confronting them and talking to them about Jesus being the Messiah. And in verse 54, it says this, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And, and he told them, look, I, I see that, that the heavens opened and, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. His accusers, they took off their coats and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they stoned him, Stephen prayed this prayer, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. So here's Stephen. He's a young leader. He's, most people believe he was probably in his 20s when this happened. 25, 26, 27 years old. A leader, the whole world ahead of him, life out in front of him, a great things God wants to do through him, and suddenly his life is just completely snuffed out. In moments like this, the question that you're going to get, the question that I have, the question that we all have is why? Like, that's, the, that's the question. Why? Why would God let this happen? Why would God let this happen to Stephen, and why would God let this happen to, 
to faith. And I, I think in, in moments like this, we have to be so careful because in moments like this, we can direct our anger in the wrong place. We direct our anger towards God. Now, anger is a good thing. If it makes you angry, it should make you angry. Because what that is identifying in your soul and in your spirit, something's not right. What that does is it causes us to rise up against injustice. It causes us to rise up to fight for the oppressed, to fight for truth, to stand on the side of those things that are good in this world. That's, that's why you get angry. But what we all have to understand is that God gets angry too. God is angry at the atrocities and the evil that we are doing to one another. God is not doing this to us. We are doing it to each other. God did not kill Stephen. God, God did not take Faith's life from her. This wasn't his plan for creation, the way the world is broken and the struggles and the atrocities and the evil that is taking place and the brokenness and the abuse and the addictions and, and, and the heartache. This was not God's plan. God is a God of love. God is good. And his plan for humanity is good. We are the ones who are corrupt. We are the ones who do this to one another. Scriptures tell us that, that God mourns and, and he weeps when the innocent are harmed. God, God is broken over things that happen and whenever there is suffering that takes place, God weeps. We see this in the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was one of his best friends. And he comes up on the scene and he sees that Lazarus has died and it says that Jesus, son of God, God in the flesh, wept. And he was frustrated and he was angry over the brokenness of our world. And the apostle Paul tells us that we are to be like Christ. He says this in the book of Romans chapter 12, 15. He says, weep with those who, who weep. I think one of the struggles we have as followers of Jesus, we struggle with weeping. We, we can't weep. We, we can't be sad. We, we can't grieve. Like we're, we're, we're Christians and, and we're overcomers and, and, and we believe in heaven. And, and, and so we don't give ourselves permission to cry. We don't give ourselves permission to weep. Whenever I do a funeral, every time I do a funeral, I warn the family. People are going to say things to you, and they mean well, but it's going to hurt deep. We, 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 get, we don't know what to say, or we think, well, and so we come up to people and say, man, hey, it's going to be okay. It's the worst thing you can say. Is it going to be okay? Yeah, it's going to be okay. Of course, it's, of course it's the sun will shine, but that's not, today is not that day. Today is when it is dark, and, and today is that day where we should weep with those who weep. Sometimes we'll say, hey, God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. He's going to work through this. That's the worst thing you can say to somebody who's lost a child or lost a brother or a sister or a friend or someone to cancer or to death or to a, who, somebody who's walked through abuse. God's got a plan. God's, God's working this for your good. Will God bring good? Is God good? Yes, but we've got to learn to weep with those who weep. As a follower of Jesus, I, I just tell you this, just sometimes just sit with people. In their heartache, in their brokenness, they're I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just be present. Just listen. 
In the series, we've been talking about how, as followers of Jesus, we carry the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about that. When you walk into a room with somebody and, and you don't have the answers to what has happened in their life, and, and when people ask me, Brad, why, my answer most of the time is, why would God do this? Here's my answer. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. Because I'm not God. I just trust that God is good. I trust that God loves me. God is, God is for humanity. And if you have the power and the presence of God with you when you walk into the room and somebody is broken, you can help bring healing by simply being present. If we're not asking why, I think we're asking where. Where was God when this was taking place to Stephen? Where was God when this was happening to faith? Well, where, some of you have asked that. Where was God when I was going through what I was going through? I've always wondered, God, where were you? Can, can I tell you this, that When we look at the story of Stephen, what we see is that God wasn't distant. God was actually right there. Look look with me at verse 54. It says this, the Jewish leaders, they were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they, they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, say this with me, say these four words with me. Stephen, what? Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So God was not standing by idly and watching it take place. No, the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am sending a comforter. I am sending someone to be with you. And he sent his spirit. God is with us. When Stephen, in the midst of his, the brutality of his, the abuse he was taking from this stoning, God was with him. And God is with you. God does not stand idly by and watch abuse take place. God does not stand idly by and watch people be victimized. That would make him a sick and sadistic father. And I have no interest in following a God like that. That is not who our God is. I think David helps us with this a lot with one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. David knows a thing or two about pain. He knows about loss. He lost his son when his son was about seven days old. And in Psalm 23, he says this, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, so some translations say the valley of the shadow of death. Here's David. And we don't know when he wrote this psalm, but we believe he wrote it later in his life. And you can imagine him looking back at the heartache and the brokenness from his life. And just imagine him thinking about like when he lost his son. And he says, that was a dark valley. 
But even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. This is what David tells us. What four cities with, with me, will you? You are close beside me. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. You and I are not alone in the dark valley. Praise be to our God. I don't walk through the valley alone. Jesus is right there with me. Because in the dark valley, that's where I have all the unanswered questions. That's where the confusion is in. That's where the doubts come. That's where I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to make sense out of what's taking place in me. God, I need you to help me. Man, I, I thank God because when, when I went through one of the, the darkest valleys, and when I suffered, and our family, Laura and I and our kids, when we suffered one of the most brutal tragedies, that any person could ever experience on this planet. I was in a dark valley. And I get up and I preach on Sunday. This is my safe zone. I remember the leaders were like, Brad, if you need to take a break, you take a break. I was like, I can't. I, uh, there's just something about when I'm on that stage and I'm preaching the word of God. He's just so close to me. And I, I, I got to keep preaching. Because this is the thing I know happens to people is you can get stuck in the dark valley. And you're supposed to walk through the dark valley. Don't get stuck. Keep moving. When we were in the midst of our brutal brokenness and I laid on the bathroom floor one morning just weeping. And I looked over on the counter and Laura had written two words on a sticky note that have become my mantra and her mantra. And frankly, some of you, this has been yours. Keep moving. Keep moving. And I just felt God saying to me, I'm with you. I know. And I have not abandoned you. And I'm with you in your suffering. Keep moving. This is who he is. He's a loving father. He enters into our pain and our brokenness with us. And he suffers with us. We see a picture of this in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 40. Jesus says this. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What that does is gives me such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is, is that when we suffer, God not only suffers with us, like he, he, he doesn't stand idly by, he, he steps into our suffering and he takes the pain, he takes the abuse, he takes the heartache upon himself, and, and, and at least in my own tragedy and my own suffering, what I realized was that God was coming in and covering me with his abounding grace. How do I know this to be true? Because this is the story of the cross. Jesus did not stay distant when humanity was broken. 
when evil and atrocities were taking place. Jesus, no, he, I'm leaving this throne and I'm going to that earth on behalf of these people and I will enter into the suffering with them. He's called the suffering servant. He was arrested. He himself was abused. He himself was betrayed. He himself was whipped. He himself was nailed to a cross. He himself was crucified. He himself died. But praise be to God, on the third day, there was a resurrection. This is what our God is. This is who he is. Our God promises us, if you'll stay with me, if you'll walk with me, I'll walk you out of this dark valley. I will walk you back into the light, and I will bring about a resurrection in your life. I am the only one who has the power of the resurrection. If you will follow me, if you'll put your faith in me, if you'll put your hope in me, I will resurrect you. I will heal you. I will not allow your soul to be crushed. Paul says it this way, a guy who also suffered so much in his life, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. That's what we believe. The death of this child is swallowed up in the victory of our Lord, that through the cross, Jesus conquered sin and death, one time for all time. I think we can learn so much from Stephen's response just before his death. He had just an unwavering faith. He said this, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Where, where did Stephen get those words? from Jesus, because he'd seen the same thing happen to Jesus, and he remembered Jesus on that cross, and he remembered as Jesus was on that cross, what did Jesus say when he was being brutally murdered, an innocent man? He looked from that cross, and he said these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I get that in my own tragedy, in my own brokenness, in my own dark valley. I must have prayed that a thousand times. Father, please forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. See, we believe in truth and we believe in justice and we as a church and we as the people of God, we stand on the side of justice and truth and we stand with victims and, and people and atrocities and we stand with those who have no voice. We stand on the side of faith semen. We stand with her that there will be justice and there, the truth will come out. And, and, but, but also we stand with Stephen. And we, we pray what Stephen prayed. This is our response as the people of God. Have mercy on their soul. Do we want truth? Do we want justice? Yes. But this is what makes us different from the world. As I looked at the Facebook responses and as I, I looked at some of the things that were going out on social media and, and, and I get it, I get the pain, I, I get the anger, I get the frustration, but as the people of God, we say, oh, no, 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 no. Our response is, God, please, 
justice prevail, truth prevail, but please, Almighty God, have mercy on their soul. Have mercy on their soul. Why do we pray that? Because God had mercy on your soul. God had mercy on my soul. And if there is no mercy for them, there is no mercy for us. If there is no grace for them, there is no grace for us. Grace and mercy are for all. I like this, the early church, they, we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, the early church, they, they honored the, the memory and the sacrifice of Jesus, but also the memory and the sacrifice of Stephen. He, Stephen was the very first martyr in the church, and they honored and remembered him by going out. And there was a lot that took place, and we'll kind of unwrap that in the next couple of weeks, but they, they didn't quit. They rose up, and the church spread like wildfire. The gospel went forth around the world. And, and I, I think the best way that we as a church can honor the memory of faith is to rise up on her behalf and be a voice for those who have no voice. To say, we will stand in the gap. Like, we will go. I can tell you, as the, at Core Church, we will always be advocates for foster children. We will always be advocates for adoption. We will always stand with organizations and groups that are fighting for the oppressed or fighting for the abused or fighting for those who have no voice. We stand with St. Francis Foster Care. We stand with them. We believe in the work that they're doing. We, we stand with Circle of Care and we say we believe in the work that you're doing. And not only that, but we want to join with you in the work that you're doing. We stand with the 111 Project that's, that's out there trying to say, hey, how can we get every church and one family and every church to adopt and foster at least one, one child? And Oklahoma is leading the way, by the way, in that. So what do you think the enemy's doing? Coming in and trying to destroy the work of God and God's people. Trying to get us to stop, to hunker down, to be afraid, to be quiet, to be silent. Because I don't know how to answer the questions. I don't know what to say. So I just won't say anything. And I want to tell you, church, is the wrong answer. We, we can't let a child die in vain. we got to stand. We've got to push back the darkness. We've got to go into the darkness. We've got to stand against evil in the power of God and push it back and say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want us to just take just a moment and create some space some space for little three-year-old Faith. She um, didn't have a voice. And I think it's important that we just remember. But I also know that for some of you, you need, you need space right now. You've suffered abuse, you've, you've suffered an unexplainable loss and you have so many questions and you don't have answers and you've suffered a brutal heartache and, and 
And so I asked Eric if he would just sing, and we're not going to sing with him. We're just going to let grace wash over us. And so what I want you to do is just for a moment, you can close your eyes, you can sit, whatever you want to do, but we're just going to sit in silence, and I just want you to envision that God is not absent. He's, he's sitting right with you. Father, come in your power and your presence, we pray.